Okay, so welcome back. As I think pretty much all of you know, over the course of this year, we've been exploring this theme of the whole life path, which is looking at the Noble Eightfold Path and how we can apply it in our own experience so that we can live a life of mutual benefit. And because the intention of this series is to bring these teachings into our own lives, I was thinking about well, what might be relevant to focus on this evening. And as I was thinking about that, I was realizing that I was getting a bit distracted, scattered, unfocused, and I was actually flicking back and forth to different news sites and scanning the headlines and just pretty unconsciously looking at different types of information and not finding any satisfaction there. In fact, as I eventually realized, it was creating some kind of agitation. So I stopped for a few moments just to try and work out what was going on. And I realized that I was trying to find some kind of certainty. I wanted to know, in quotation marks, for sure what is happening with COVID and whether I'll be able to travel in December or next year. So, pretty futile. We know, at least rationally, intellectually, there is no certainty about anything, and particularly what's happening with COVID even now, let alone next year. But as I was scanning through all of this information, what I noticed was how often the information was presented with some degree of certainty. This is how it is, this is what's happening, this is what you need to know. And it all sounded quite authoritative, but from a Buddhist perspective, none of that information is ultimately, reliably, definitively true. All of it is to some degree just one particular perspective or opinion or view. And because there are such a lot of views around at the moment, some of which are quite polarizing, I thought it could be an opportunity in a way to circle all the way back to the start of this Noble Eightfold Path and look again at that first factor, which is wise or right view. And this is actually something I've been exploring for much of this year, not only in the context of this talk series, but earlier in the year I did a whole six-week online course that was just on views, which I think one or two of you may have done and that course was called Right View, Wrong View, Self View, No View. What's the point of view in Buddhism? So I became fascinated by views while I was researching a different online course on the five clinging aggregates. And out of that course I started to recognize just how powerfully most of us cling to our views. Our views of who we are, our views of how the world is. And although much of the time these views are invisible to us, unless they happen to be challenged or threatened in some way, those invisible views are powerfully shaping our experience, in fact, shaping our whole lives. So as you know, the Buddha recognized the immense power of our minds to create intense suffering, or if properly trained to completely free us from all afflictive states so that we can experience ease, peace, happiness, freedom. So 
So as you know, the opening lines of the Dhammapada, all experience is preceded by mind, is led by mind, is made by mind. And so whether the mind is in a corrupted state or a peaceful state, influences what and how we experience our lives. So we all can understand that intellectually, that the state of our mind negatively or positively impacts how we experience the world. But this is happening not just in terms of individual days, but over the course of our whole lives, moment to moment. Because of the truth of neuroplasticity, we are shaping our hearts and minds, consciously or unconsciously, creating our own realities for better or for worse. And this is why the whole purpose of the Buddha's teachings is to bring as much consciousness as we can to that whole process, because then we have a better chance of steering our lives in a beneficial way. So coming back to those opening lines of the Dhammapada, we need to understand the distinction between a corrupted mind and a peaceful mind. And this is where right or wise view comes in. So one basic way of understanding whether a view is right or not is to see whether it leads to beneficial mind states, to happiness or not, whether it enhances wisdom and compassion, ease and freedom or not. But even to understand that, we first have to know that some kind of view is operating in us. So what does this term view actually mean? Well, pretty much the way we use it in ordinary, everyday English, to refer to seeing. And this seeing happens in two ways or on two levels. So there's the literal experience of seeing, looking, viewing or vision. And then there's the mental experience of forming a view or a perspective or a position. So in the dictionary, a view is defined as an extent or a range of vision or a mode or a manner of looking at something. So there's literal seeing and then there's mental conceiving. And these come together and they create a whole world of inner constructs. So what we see informs our attitudes, our beliefs, our assumptions, our conceptions, our conclusions, our convictions, our perspectives, our persuasions. There's so many different words that refer to this different ways of seeing and how we can take a stance, make a standpoint based on those views and worldviews. Most of us, most of the time, though, are pretty unaware of just how filtered our view is. And we like to believe that we're seeing reality exactly as it is, and not as our minds have constructed it through the lens of these inner perceptions. So this is what the Buddhist term conditioning is referring to. What we see, how we see, is conditioned by where and how we look. And where and how we look is conditioned by those pre-existing views and assumptions and expectations and beliefs. And this conditioning is happening all the time, even now. As you look at the screen on your device, your eyes are receiving visual input, your brains are processing it. All these different reactions are happening in response to those sense contents whether they're pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. 
And then the mind goes into liking or disliking or spacing out. And then beyond that, a whole pile of other mental and emotional reactions, images and memories and stories and associations. And if all of this is happening without any consciousness, we get caught in what's known as papancha, proliferation, fabrication. And the problem is that the mind tends to get lost in those fabrications, to believe that they're true and real, and at the same time to let those fabrications construct a sense of me, a fixed, solid sense of me at the center of it all. So just to get a sense of how these sense contacts at the six sense doors, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, physical sensations, mental activity, how each of those contacts is shaping our views and opinions all the time, I thought to have a sort of a practical exercise to take just one of the sense doors, the sense door of seeing, because we're focusing on view, quite literally, to explore the process of seeing and to notice how what we see shapes our mental reactivity, our mental responses. So I'm going to offer a kind of a guided meditation, visual contemplation now, just to more consciously explore this experience of seeing. So what I invite you to do is set the zoom to speak of you if it isn't already so that mostly what you'll see is me my image will become more central so if you can do that and then just notice what it's like to look at more at just one person instead of an array and even that you might notice there was a little pulse of reaction perhaps liking or not liking curiosity or disconnection, maybe the mind jumping to other kinds of anticipation or expectation or wondering. So just notice that. And now notice what it's like. And now notice what you see now. How does that affect the mind? Again, just noticing any responses, liking, irritation, confusion, maybe relief to not be looking at another human being again. So just observing the mind, any activity there, maybe stories or narratives in response to what you're seeing now. Now I invite you to take your attention away from the screen, actually beyond the screen, and take in the space that you're in, maybe a familiar room, See if you can notice it as if it's for the first time. And notice where your eyes go. What do they do? What draws them? 
perhaps what pushes them away. And as you let your gaze just move around that space, still bringing awareness to all the different thoughts and emotions, maybe memories and stories and associations. And now still looking at the room, but this time taking in what you might not normally notice which is the space itself. So not so much the objects in the space or the colors of the walls, but see if you can just relax and take in the space. Notice the space between the objects. As you keep that soft gaze and just visually receive space, noticing if that has some effect on the mind as you widen your viewpoint. And now if you have a window I invite you to see if you can see out of the window, to see the space beyond the room. And it's fine to move away from the computer a little if you want to. And see if you can take in the sky. And again, with a soft gaze, just let your eyes open and receive the spaciousness of the sky, the quality of the light. Maybe looking directly up at the sky, if that's available to you. And as you stay visually connected to the sky, noticing what that's like. How does that affect the mind? How's the quality of the mind now? And now, with your metaphorical mind's eye, imagine that you're on the moon right now. Way, way out in space. And you're looking back at the earth. So if it helps, you can close your eyes now to get access to that inner seeing. And imagine, visualize what an astronaut might see of this planet as they stand on the moon and look at our blue-green globe. Knowing that somewhere on that sphere There's a tiny little patch of earth that we call home. Just a tiny, tiny speck of where you are right now.
And then noticing what effect that has on the mind. Any thoughts, emotions that might come up in response to this visual inner seeing. Just gently open your eyes if they aren't already. Come back to looking at the screen. And again, changing it back to gallery view so you have a sense of all of us together. So thank you for following along with that process. I'd just like to take a minute or two just to hear anything you might have noticed about visual experiences and the effect on the mind.